My name is Jafar Iqbal, and this is Critically Speaking, difficult conversations about the arts and culture in Wales. Welcome to the very first episode of this brand new podcast. Every two weeks, we'll be presenting a conversation with some of Wales' most interesting personalities, discussing the topics that matter to them and to all of us. The conversation you're about to listen to today is with actor and theatre maker Mehmet Ali Alabora. The very first episode we recorded back in June 2019. Mehmet was already an established artist in Turkey when he came to Wales several years ago. Since then, he's been learning the language, learning Welsh history, just fully immersing himself in this new culture when he easily could have rested on his reputation. However, it's his experience of the art scene here in Wales and how it compares to his experiences elsewhere that really fascinated me. It's why I wanted him on the podcast, and it's why it's the first one you're going to hear. So let's not waste any more time. Welcome to episode one of Critically Speaking. Coming from Turkey with the story like ours was, of course, different. Wherever I would have gone in the world would have been different. But at the same time, not being known is a big relief as well, because you don't carry the baggage. Because whoever you meet in Turkey, people have a perception about you, whether it's good or bad. Here, you just meet people, and then they start to know you. So we always say ourselves, don't we? If I came to this life again, I would have, I would do this and this, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done this. If I had the second chance, here you've got a second chance. Be whatever you want. You could be a restauranter or a theatre maker or an actor, whatever you want. Like to me, I always looked at it like this. That that's almost like Wales gave me this chance to become a new me. Although I was a theatre maker back in Turkey, but this is now a new me. What do you think of Wales? I'm quite obsessed with Wales. I have toured Wales probably five times already over the last six years uh, not only like doing plays but with an R&D and then with the first show just trying to do the R&D knocking on doors literally showing a video and saying that we want to book your plays uh, it started like that I'm learning Welsh I'm a Welsh learner uh, and yes I'm kind of obsessed with why w- Welsh history what? why? why? why learn Welsh? Yeah, well, no why why the obsession? Uh, very good question. Um, so for many years, now, you know, we, we've recently done a project called, about belonging and identity. Yeah. So it was all about Maltam's story, but of course doing one story means doing all of us, all of our story, not all of us in sense of be aware, but yours, her, his, because when you make a very personal story, it becomes really very universal as well, if it is really personal. like So... In that sense, obviously, it also made me ask questions to myself about belonging, identity. What is my belonging? What is my identity? Uh, for many years, when I, I only lived in Istanbul for 37 years before I came here. And after I moved here, I realized something about myself, that it, my sense of identity is quite loose. So had I lived in London for this many years, probably I would have become a Londoner, and I would have known a lot about London. So now I live here and I, I kind of 
I'm kind of a very, in, in a way, very nerdy, curious guy. So, yeah, I go, in, I go deep in something. So that's how I became quite obsessed with history of Wales, history of the valleys, and history of Cardiff. Because probably maybe it is the way I can connect with a, with a place. Maybe it's maybe a very, um, I don't know, nerdy thing or a man thing. Or a, because Maltem is completely different. The writers Kargala, O'Brien. Hmm. She's completely different. She connects in a different way, whereas for me, to me, connection is more through maybe knowledge and information, which may not be the best choice. <coughs> because of her, it's very emotional, isn't it? It I mean, is an emotional uh, connection, and it is really a visceral connection as well. Like she literally feels it. She goes to the woods, and she really feels. It. I feel the same thing as well. Like we were in North Wales a week ago. And fi- it was my fourth, fifth time in North Wales, but this was the first time I really get it, why the, the obsession with North Wales. It was like, wow, where are the gods? <laughs> it was almost like the gods will just appear from somewhere. It, yeah, so... So you love Wales? Yes, I love... What do you think of the Wales art scene? Good question. All right, we have been... Uh, bantering about it over the last with friends obviously over the last couple of years I've got quite strong opinions actually to be honest with you Uh, first of all I I think the Welsh art scene is still very safe too safe I don't see our I can't find our radicals do you think you're the radicals I I don't I don't know I can't call myself a radical but I I don't know I want like like very red controversial stuff so we had a, we recently had a discussion uh, do you know WNO's this is WNO's freedom season mm-hmm. and I was invited for a panel and we were there discussing about freedom of expression and I was like we need more fury we need more anger and we need even fights N- let's not be polite because. This wasn't used to be like this in 1831 during the Merthyr Risings or during the 1838 Newport Risings. This country was not well behaved and polite and like there was like massive anger and fury. I think that's what the Welsh art scene needs as well more. And the second thing I believe that we need different from the UK we need a direct connection with Europe. Bypassing the English London thing and directly connecting ourselves with uh, Europe. I want to see European art directors, you know, directors, festivals, here, and our work, when I say our work, all our work, the Welsh art scene's work, in Europe. And we can have that direct connection. And that is when the Welsh language will become a very precious thing, because when you go to Europe, when you perform in Netherlands, Welsh becomes... Welsh all of a sudden relieves itself from all the baggage of history and it becomes another foreign language for the Dutch. They don't care about why is it in Welsh. Do you know, this is always the question. Not always, but most of the time the question, why is it in Welsh? And you speak English. But for the Dutch, it wouldn't matter. It's another foreign language. It will be a relief for our work. So I believe we need to connect directly and we need infrastructures for the Welsh productions to be taken by, a, by an infrastructure, by an organisation, more easily to Europe directly. I think there are loads of very good productions 
uh, at least five or six productions a year, that could really have potential to reach to a European audience. The argument is that shouldn't we be making theatre that people in Wales come to see and shouldn't we worry about the Dutch later? Both. If you want to become European, if, if we are really part of Europe, Europe, because when we discuss about Europe, we always discuss about this bloody European Union. But we should be discussing about Europe as a cultural identity and entity. So Shakespeare is our forefather, an artistic forefather, as much as Beethoven is, or uh, as much as Mabinogion is part of our culture, uh, Bach or Homeros or Homer or Sophocles is our... So this is the whole idea of being a European, and we need to be part of that. That opening up could also attract the Welsh audience as well, but I think this, this needs to go in two ways. And when I say this, I'm not... I don't only mean that let's do radical and avant-garde work. We will do popular work, like we will, as in the arts community, we will produce, people will produce commercial work, popular work. You know, we will have our pantos. Like, we're not going to be, we're not going to stop doing pantos all of a sudden. We shouldn't. That's a cultural thing. I really want to know what you think of pantos. It, it, is, it is cultural. <laughs> I mean, it's part of, it's like fish and chips. Like, it's like a pint. Like, you can't just get... You can't just take the pantos out of your cultural life, can you? It's like shutting down TV stations or not having fish and chips anymore. I'm not saying that it is... Yeah, actually, I'm saying it. Because, to me, all of these are cultural things. And culture is not just your high art. and Culture is a part of everything. Where's the anger gone? You mentioned there's no anger and fury in Wales. And and you talked about the Murphy riots and... There's a big thing about the race riots, the Cardiff race riots that happened this time in 1919. Mm. Where's the anger gone? Why do you, why do you think Wales isn't angry? Not just Wales. I mean, there is the same. You can apply the same thing to the UK as well. Like we're going, the country is going through the Brit- Britain is going through one of the toughest times probably in the last couple of decades, and you can't you can't you don't see that show revealing itself as as a something um, where is the anger gone in Wales I am not the one to say that but I'm trying to understand where it may have gone where it was I'm still in the process of exploring and discussing this so I wouldn't want to make a statement about this rather I would want to discuss this with a Welsh friend or with someone who has lived here for 30 years or whatever who considers themselves as Welsh it is not about a statement. We are having these discussions. When we tour, I try to have these discussions, and I try to listen. Uh, and um, yeah, but that may be a question that we can start asking ourselves. Maybe at the end we'll say, why would, do we need fury? Maybe someone would come up and say, we're, we're okay as we are. Do you think an angrier Welsh theatre scene would be a better Welsh theatre scene? I I like every like. I, I like any art scene that is kind of edgy, controversial, radical. But I'm also a classical music nerd. So it, it goes side by side. I don't want any avant-garde in Be- my Beethoven. I, want, I like my Beethoven as it is. Or as a good performance, you know. But then I like, I want like gra- things that will blow my mind up. 
hours. Do you know what's what? the last thing that blew your mind in Wales? In Wales, uh, or no. by a Welsh artist, something of Wales that you thought, "Wow, that's what I want." Uh, wow, the wow effect is quite hard. I mean, the wow effect doesn't happen all the time. Uh, I haven't seen that much of a thing yet in Wales. What was the last one? In the last six years. Um, What's the last thing you saw in the world and you were like, that's good? I really oh, in the, I've, seen lo- I've seen those good stuff, obviously. I mean, Mathilde's work is always kind of... I like Mathilde's work. I, Yuri, for me, uh, seeing Yuri in Welsh... For example, Yuri in Welsh could have taught everywhere in Europe. So that is because Mathilde... I talked to Mathilde and Mathilde say, said, I, I can't, like, how can I do it? And she's right. I mean, where where will you start taking a work to Europe is a lot of effort. And you will probably need to do a lot of investments on your own without being paid just to take your show to Europe. But I think that's what I'm telling the The infrastructure, if we had the infrastructure, somebody could have taken Yuri to Europe. Because Yuri, in, that was the first Welsh, that was the first thing in Welsh that was absurd, that was silly, that was, you know, um, different. Isn't it funny that you've mentioned <coughs> another non-UK person? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> funny, sad? Yeah, I don't know. Like, but, yeah, I, I think about uh, Mathilde's work, the last work as well, in, in, in a lot of sense. But also I like Neinbach, because Neinbach is also an internationalist approach. So it is Welsh in an internationalist approach kind of thing. So am I right in thinking that there's no arts funding in Turkey? Oh, there is, it's got, it is again a complicated thing because in Turkey there is still the old civil servant system. So if you are a member of the state theatre, if you're in the cadre of the state theatre or the city theatre, which is also called the municipality theatre, or the state opera or the state symphonic orchestra, you're a civil servant and you will be paid your wage all your life until your death. So that's one, that's one system which still exists, which is, which is a very... I don't know whether it still exists anywhere in the world. Maybe in Finland? I'm not sure. Uh, that's one. And there was also funding for private theatres, uh, yeah, private theatres, which are owned by mostly actors. Uh, and that was only for productions. So there were no portfolio funding as we have in arts here. And also... Uh, the production funding was nothing like what Arts Council gives a year. Uh, so they would, they would always be like 20 to 30 prominent established private theatres who would get funding for their productions, but just production base. And there would be no other further... If you have built a theatre from scratch, and there were people who built theatres from scratch, actors who, won loads of, who made loads of money from television and build their own theatres, the government, like, because there, there, there were no schemes when I left to support these people. But there is, a, uh, there is uh, more sponsorship than there is in the UK. So it's more, of, more like an American system. So how do you feel then about Welsh organisations when they moan, grumble about the lack of funding or the way it's spent, coming from a country where... It's not as readily available. 
Now, yes, it teaches you two things when it is not readily available. You start to look in different, you start to explore different ideas. But when I came here, I was like, all right, there are other things we can do. Like you can go to the councils, you can go to restaurants and ask for money. Like you can, you can go to big corporations. Did you do that? Uh, yes, some of it, yes. But of course, That's we great. also used our Turkish connections, so I have to tell. But we, we tried to do, we always tried to find other means, do you know what I mean? So, because you always try, because what I try to do is I don't want to rely on Arts Council's money. I, it is an incredible, um, incredible thing to have Arts Council's money for a per- person like me who all his life tried to find money to make theatre. And there is funds available. I know we've got our problems. You know, I know we always moan about it all together. But at the same time, there is a mechanism where you can get your funds and do a bloody play in Turkish and Welsh. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, th- and that's a massive thing. That's that's incredible. And the art scene was so welcoming to us. It is great. But at the same time, I see that when you don't have the funding from Arts Council Wales, you make your application then you, do, you tend to not make the play at all, which shouldn't be the case. The economy of arts is a very complicated thing. So I have like thought about this for four years, five years, when we were doing Garaj Istanbul. And I was always like, because where does this belief that we should be funded coming from? I know where it's coming from. But where we have coming to, from? It has almost always been like this. From the times of the tragedy, the big tragedies in the ancient Greek, to Shakespeare's time, from Beethoven to Bach, from Tchaikovsky to... But then in the 20th century, we, we see other examples as well. You know, people trying, like, cooperatives, other kind of stuff. But we should ask these questions to ourselves. And at the end, we may think that, yes, we have to be funded. And we may come up with our answers but we should I, I think we should be looking at other economical ways to achieve our productions I do feel like I don't have any answers to this by the no, way no 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 I know but <clears throat> I do feel like in Wales it's like the idea of what you've just said is hey we'll just go to a restaurant and we'll ask them for money they might say no but we'll ask and we'll do that we'll go here and we'll go here yeah people don't do that <laughs> I think in that sense the other room was a good endeavor they've they've done these kind of different types of arrangements, talking to the pub, I mean, the, the bar, and I think they got other kind of supports as well. But that is, that is a good example, for example. But I, I, would, I would have hoped that that would be another the other room, you know, another one. But it is, it is a process. But you're right, yes, because, but it's a cultural thing as well, because you're not used to do it, because there was always funds that are available. So in Turkey... When you make a show, there is no run. So when you make a show, you play it until there is no audience, like two years, three years, because there is no equity, because you don't have to pay your actors weekly, so you can exploit people. Not just that, but also people gather together, they make a production, they can arrange their own times, uh, and then they uh, they just the production lasts forever. Not forever, but you could play. You mostly play a play for two, three years, and the word of mouth you know, continues. So, for example, this could be something that we can try. That's why we always try to keep our productions in hand. So, for example, we produce Enough is Enough and took it to London a year after the Cardiff run, and we still could generate some income 
Formula Play. So these are the, you know, we can explore new ways. We can look at new ways. The good thing about Wales is that we can try stuff. And we can... But you're saying it's safe. Yes. So it's safe and we're trying stuff. We can't... Uh, no, in that, in that, I mean, still safe. But the good thing about, I believe, why I'm so excited about Wales is because we can try stuff here and we can literally moon Wales. The art scene in Wales, we can do stuff all together. But you can't, I don't think you can discuss this in London or England to change England's artistic scene. It is so, it's so stale, so heavy, so full of a lot of baggage and everything. But here, we can really move things. And Cardiff was once kind of almost a cradle of experimental theatre. It was? Yeah. When you look at um, a, a book, a seminal book, uh, post-traumatic theatre, which kind of defines the field of post-traumatic theatre, Cardiff and Chapter are in the book as a historical, uh, as, as historical places that this new type of theatre uh, emerged so we have got the tradition, we have got the, we've got the means, we've got everything. Do you think that Wales is looking to the wrong tradition then? Because obviously there's also the tradition of... Mining. Yeah, and right. hey, let's, let's talk about how great Wales used to be when we were miners, or, and, or this folk hero and that person. Yeah, that are, is, we, are we forgetting that experimental... No, that is, though all of them, are, again I believe, all of them should be made into films first. We don't tell Wales' story to people. There are ways of doing loads of stuff. I mean, you can't make a homogenous art, can you? We're going to be radicals. You will only see radical stuff in Wales. It's a, it's a country. It's a massive country. So I think Wales has a lot to tell about its history too, to the world, in, form of, in, in the form of a theatre, an opera, a film. Should you tell the story of the, of the Murphy Rising? I, I don't know. Is there a license for that? Anybody there isn't a license, but you know there is. That, know. There is that argument. I know the cultural appropriation. Yes. Today's one of today's. Uh, I don't know. I'll tell the story. Why should you that. be obsessed with Wales? Why should you care about the Murphy Rising and and make make a play about it? Let me tell you, uh, because uh, as a trade unionist, um, I was the founder of Actors Union of Turkey, and I'm coming. I'm not a Marxist myself, but I'm coming from a Marxist tradition. Uh, because my father was a Marxist and he was in jail for two and a half years. That has been a big Marxist uh, tradition in Turkey. But So I was always kind of, had a lot of, had a lot to do with Marx uh, and always resisted being a Marxist. Uh, but uh, from my reading, I can tell that when Marx was 18, no, sorry, when Marx was uh, 13, Dick Pendere, one of the first labour martyrs of the world, one of the first, not the first, of the, was hanged in front of Cardiff Market. And Marx was 13. And during Murphy Risings and Newport Risings, even the red flags were raised. So it was almost like a pre-Marxist or proto-Marxist rising, where Marx was still a little boy. Marx learned most of the stuff about capitalism in Manchester, together with Engels because he was a grown-up man only then. But that zeitgeist must have been created. Of course, there must have been the influence of Peter Lou as well, but it must have been created here. 
So, in that sense, what the world doesn't know is that Wales contributed to Marxism much more than people know or think or don't know. So that excites me. So I should be allowed to tell the story if I want. That's a really good answer. <laughs> um, could a play like Me Minor create the revolution that it created in Turkey? In Wales. Is Wales capable, <laughs> is Wales capable of, of, of change in that way? And obviously I know that that's a really complex issue because... I know you've said in interviews before that, hey, look, my play wasn't set up to cause this. Of but, course. But it happened. Could something like that happen in Wales, or do you think, do you think again, mean, that's safe? No, use? it wasn't a revolution or such. It was just an incredible uh, series of protests which the world has never seen before because it was li- really, there were no organisers. It was so spontaneous. That's why it is blo- it's still blowing people's and the authorities' minds. Because you look at it and you say it's impossible that there was no organization behind it. That must have been an organization, but that wasn't. So in that sense, and Mimino was just part of the zeitgeist. It didn't cause anything. You can't make anything with a theatre play. Uh, when it comes to Wales and the UK or elsewhere in the world, anything could happen, really. I mean, sometimes you never know. Sometimes all of a sudden people... When I first came to this country, I heard a party called UKIP, and I didn't know any. I didn't. I never heard a name called Nigel Farage before. You were so innocent. I was. I was back then. I was so innocent. And then when I first came to, and I was looking at the news and what's this UKIP? What's this Nigel Farage? And I was like, Ah, come on, this never happened. And in two years, like I would have never expected to see such things in Britain, and we are still in it. So really, anything is possible. And what about stuff like the um, National Theatre Wells argument? Because that kind of felt like, oh, hold on, something's about to happen. And then it didn't. When we think of Wales or Turkey or Uganda or wherever we want to think about, we can't think of it apart from the world as if there is something going on in the world and we're not becoming part of it. No. that there is There is something stale in the world. It could be somehow um, the... The, the, the calm weather before the storm, we, I don't know. Do you think there needs to be a storm in Wales, in the arts? Yes, I, want, I, would, want, I would want it to be more exciting. Why wouldn't I? Wouldn't you? I would. <laughs> yeah. I would want it to be more exciting because Wales is... Because we've got, we've got an incredible country. I mean, we've got a small, incredible country uh, which is incredibly welcoming, by the way, I have to say. At least to me. I have never felt like a foreigner. And maybe I may even be sound, sounding a little smug now. Like, you know, talking about Wales like... A, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not behaving well as, a, as an exile. Uh, but that is what made... That's what Wales made. You made, you made Wales. Because I, was, I never felt like a stranger or a foreigner here. And in the last years of my life in... in Turkey, I was feeling more as a, like a foreigner in my own country where I came from, and I never felt this here. So in that sense, it has been amazing. So this is an incredible environment there. Are you confident enough to sign off in Welsh? Sign off? Like, say goodbye in Welsh? Do you want to... Do you want to s- um, don't have to. Um, uh, oedden, oedden, 
grandes e e travou de ti de ofenvar. I don't know what you said apart from the last bit, but I'm gonna agree with you. <laughs> And there you have it. That was episode one of Critically Speaking. Thank you so much for listening. This episode was recorded, hosted and edited by me, Jafar Iqbal. The entire podcast has been produced by the inimitable Shane Nichols, who also worked on the sound and provided editing help. I also want to thank Wales Millennium Centre for giving us a venue. And of course, thank you to Mehmet Ali Alabora for his time. Now you can join the conversation by following us on social media. You can find critic underscore speak on Twitter or you can find critically.speaking on Instagram. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. Diach and Bam.